Well, we're in between series, finished up Ecclesiastes last week. Next week, the kids have the whole service, and that should be a real blessing. I look forward to that. And so, in between, I said, well, what about this Sunday, God? And God has laid on my heart a prayer of one of my favorite characters, Elijah the prophet in the Old Testament. And as I looked at that prayer, God just kind of seared into my heart. This is what we need to be about. Uh, as, as we look at this prayer, there, there's a sense of why we're here. Why God wants us here. What He wants to do in us and through us. And So we're going to be looking at 1 Kings 18 this morning and focusing in on that prayer. As a matter of fact, just a plug for next weekend is we want to have a prayer vigil coming up on a month until the block party. Our opportunity to serve this community. And you know what I loved about the block party last time, guys, is that the more I thought about it, the more it excited me. Our heart's goal is to be able to serve the community without them having to pay anything. An event that's free, but as we know, just because it's free doesn't mean it's not costly. Somebody has to pay for it. And so out of the graciousness and goodness of God's people, we were able to give them something with no strings attached, just out of love. And that's the gospel. You know, I thought, what a cool way just to be able... One of the things I want to do during the block party is to walk around and to be able to share with people and, 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 you know, explain to them, we just want to show you no strings attached that we love you. And, and you know, that's how God loves us. When Jesus died on the cross, it was no strings attached. He didn't do it because we were deserving or worthy. He just wanted to show us He loves us. And He forgives us. And so for us to have an opportunity to give without strings attached, we're able to show gospel kind of love. And and so anyway, with that on my heart, I, I encourage you, like I said, just about a month away, we're going to have a prayer vigil starting out next Friday. If you hadn't signed up on the list there through Friday night into Saturday. And an opportunity to bathe thoroughly in prayer. A lot of that prayer vigil deals with a heart look, to be able to check out my own heart. God, where am I before you? And then there's a page with some specifics about the block party itself, but I encourage you to be a part of that if you haven't signed up for it. Uh, see Craig and Kim, we have some copies of the prayer guide, uh, paper copies. Um, talk to Jeff, certainly. Uh, by then we'll have that on the web by uh, next weekend. So if you know, you're not able to come here to the church with a place set up here in the sanctuary, a place in the prayer room. But if you want to do it at home instead, um, you know, get a paper copy or or you can get it off of the web. And we just want to bathe this in prayer, bathe our hearts in prayer. But uh, turn me to First Kings 18 as we prepare to look at the message this morning. I've entitled this message, The Power of of a living sacrifice. 1519, Cortez and a group of his men traveled to the New World, place in Mexico. And Cortez was, he wanted to make sure that his men were bold and courageous and marched into this New World without retreat. So when they got off the ships and headed on to the New Land, that Europeans had never touched, he set the ships on fire. So there was no way to retreat. They only had one direction to go, 
and that was ahead. Man, we struggle here in following Jesus. We still have these earth suits, these bodies, and this sinful nature, and, and these these passions that move us away from God. Maybe we want to be close to God, but we're in a battle. We're in a we're in a struggle. We don't want to set these things on fire. We need these bodies. We don't want to destroy them. But we want to go forward. We want to go ahead. And we don't want to be hampered. And, and this morning, as we look at this section of Scripture, it was a showdown between false messengers, between a false way of life, and between following the Lord God. And there was a challenge sent to Elijah to give to the people. Are you going to follow God? Or are you going to follow this old way of life, this this idol worship of, of these false gods. What are you going to do? You need to choose. And he makes this bold choice before the people. And we want to look at that. But I, I'm going to ask you, in first, for the Scripture reading itself, I want to look at verses 36 and 37 in 1 Kings 18. And I want to ask you to stand in God's honor as I read aloud from the text. It says, At the time of sacrifice, the prophet Elijah stepped forward and prayed, O Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known today that you are God in Israel and that I am your servant and have done all these things at your command. Answer me, O Lord, answer me, so these people will know that you, O Lord, are God and that you are turning their hearts back again. Let's pray. Father, we're not that much different than the many people who were certainly acquainted with you, God, who had been exposed to you, Lord, and yet they were wavering. And Father, help us, Lord. We're just, as the old hymn says, prone to wander, prone to leave the God we love, God. Help us, Lord. Grab hold of our hearts, Lord. Pull us near to you. Near to the cross of God. And, and God, just help us to see you clearly, Lord. And to love you with a renewed, passionate love for you. God, I just pray you work in our hearts, Lord. We need you, Lord. And Father, I pray that you take my weak words and you infuse your power, Lord. I, I just ask, Father, that you receive the glory as we continue on this hour. And Father, I just ask that you speak to our hearts. I can't speak unless the Holy Spirit speaks. And Father, may you speak. We need to hear from you, not from me. So, Lord, have your way, God. And we'll look to you, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen. Now, a little background on this guy, Elijah. Man, what a character. Elijah, he, he, wanted, he wanted to live for God, but it was a dangerous time. Ahab and Jezebel, and they were, they were getting rid of the prophets. One guy, Obadiah, who he actually took care of the palace, Rahab and Jezebel, but he loved the Lord. But he was a secret saint. And he hid 50 of the prophets of the Lord in one cave and 50 of the prophets of the Lord in another cave. So there were a hundred prophets, but they were hidden in a cave, shivering. Instead of out there being spokesmen for God. Instead of rallying the people together to serve Him. Because it was dangerous. It was so dangerous that God took Elijah and He took him in a ravine. And He had ravens come and feed him and He drank water from the brook. And then later, God would take care of Elijah through a widow 
whose oil and flour never ran out and they were able to bake bread and God continued to meet their needs. And God was teaching Elijah, Elijah, you can trust me. You can count on me. No matter what you face, I'll be there to take care of you. I love you. I've called you. And I'm going to send you out. And you can trust me. Elijah was learning those lessons all along. And then we come to 1 Kings 18. And we see that God comes to Elijah. And He says, uh, Elijah, it's time for you to face Ahab. Look at verse 2 with me of 18. Well, let me start at 1. It says, After a long time in the third year, the word of the Lord came to Elijah, Go and present yourself to Ahab, and I'll send rain on the land. So Elijah went to present himself to Ahab. See, there had been this severe famine three and a half years in the land, no rain. But now God's about to bring the rain. But before He brings the rain... He's about to speak to the people and to reveal Himself. And so, here comes Elijah, and it seems nuts. I mean, he doesn't know about these hundred prophets that are hidden. He feels alone. And as we see here, as we go down through the text, there are 850 prophets. False prophets that Jezebel and Ahab served. And then there's Elijah. God brings Elijah out and he says, I want you to talk to Ahab. Well, it looks like certain death. Here he is, one guy, 850 prophets, all the power of the king and the queen, and one guy. But one thing you got to remember, one person plus God is a majority no matter who the opposition is. And so, Elijah comes forward. First, he, he bumps into this servant, Obadiah, this palace custodian, guardian. And Obadiah says, You wanna, you wanna see, you wanna see Ahab or, do you wanna get me killed? Are you nuts? Do you really think this is wise? But Elijah had been learning by faith to trust God's wisdom. And so he told him, I'm serious. And so, the confrontation was set. Obadiah went before his master, the king, Ahab. And let's drop down to verse 16, as we see about the confrontation. It says, so Obadiah went to meet Ahab and told him. And Ahab went to meet Elijah. When he saw Elijah, he said to him, Is that you, you troubler of Israel? I've not made trouble in Israel, Elijah replied. But you and your father's family have. Then he goes on, he says, You've abandoned the Lord's commands and you followed the bells. He says, Now summon the people from all over Israel to meet me on Mount Carmel and bring the 450 prophets of Baal and the 400 prophets of Asherah who eat at Jezebel's table. So Ahab sent word throughout all Israel and assembled the prophets on Mount Carmel. Elijah went before the Lord and said, How long will you waver before the people and said, How long will you waver between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow Him. But if Baal is God, follow Him. Man, what a sight! 850 prophets, Elijah, the crowd, the showdown. It looks like the odds, well, it's easy to see who looks like they have the advantage. And Elijah's bold. 
Man, is he bold. It made me think of Psalm 138, verse 3, where the psalmist says, When I called, you answered me. You made me bold and stout-hearted. And man, he was bold and he was stout-hearted. He laid it on the line. How long are you guys going to walk the fence? Where are you going to stand before the Lord and be bold? And that next part really troubles me. Look at the end of verse 21. It says, But the people said nothing. And man, I thought about this land that we live in. I thought about how drastic times are. And I thought about how often I am silent. Not just with my lips, but with my very life. Times that I'm not bold when I should be. I don't mean obnoxious. I just mean bold. I just mean a person who obviously loves God and is sold out to God. Because that's the need of the day. That's the need of the day, guys. is to be genuinely in love with Christ. That others can see. And so they were quiet. They didn't speak. Someone had said, that one leader had said, all that's required for evil to triumph is for good people to do nothing. And that's what had been occurring here. God's people had been silent. Listen to this quote. This is from a preacher during Nazi Germany's rule. And uh, here's what he wrote. He said, when the Nazis came for the communists, I remained silent. I was not a communist. When they locked up the Social Democrats, I remained silent. I was not a Social Democrat. When they came for the trade unionists, I did not speak out. I was not a trade unionist. When they came for the Jews, I remained silent. I wasn't a Jew. When they came for me, there was no one left to speak out. Elijah, he was it. He was the bold one. He was the one God sent. And he spoke. And I want you to look here. I know we have a time restraint, but I just want to go down through here quickly as we look at the showdown itself. Verses, uh, going down through verse 27. First, those prophets of Baal and Asherah had prepared their sacrifice. They're screaming for fire to come down for their God, gods to show themselves as true. Uh, nothing happens. So it comes down here, verse 27. This has been going on for several hours. Uh, it says, At noon, Elijah began to taunt them. Shout louder! Surely he's a god. Perhaps he's deep in thought, busy, or traveling. Maybe sleeping. Must be awakened. Man, he got them really fired up. So what they do? They shouted louder, slashed themselves with swords and spears as their custom blood flowed. Since midday passed, they continued their frantic prophesying until the time for evening sacrifice. But there was no response. No one answered. No one paid attention. No response. Why? Because they weren't the true God. Then it's Elijah's turn. I, I love the picture here. He prepares the sacrifice and he digs this trench around the sacrifice. Not only is the sacrifice prepared, but then he calls for 12 large jars of water to be poured over the sacrifice. So the water splashes down and fills up the trench. And then Elijah prays. And guys, this is where I really want to spend the focus of this message as we take some time and look at this prayer. But let's look at the prayer in our time that remains. First, it says, at the time of sacrifice. This was it. It was time to choose sides. Am I really God's? Or am I not? 
It was the time of sacrifice. I love the story of Bobby, or Robert Moffat. They called him Bobby Moffat. When he was young, at 12 years old, little Bobby in a church in Scotland, the offering plate was being passed around near the end of the service. As the offering plate was set down in the back of the church on the floor, young Bobby came and stood in the offering plate. And the ushers went nuts. What are you doing? You can't stand in the offering plate. He said, I want everybody to know that I give myself as a sacrifice. I want to be a living sacrifice. And that's what young Bobby did. At the age of 19, he took off for Africa to serve as a missionary. There he met Mary... And he married her. And he served for 50 years there. Loving and, and serving Jesus. He said, this sacrifice is more than what I'm going to offer. I am the sacrifice. And that's the point. That's what Elijah was calling for. He was saying, guys, you need to be sold out to God. You need to give yourselves to Him. And now second, I want you to notice something here. It says, the prophet Elijah stepped forward. You know, I think so often we make such a big deal out of being a leader and every leader needs to sharpen his or her skills and and all of that is true. We need to learn to be better at what we do. But sometimes we complicate everything to the point where we, we just feel paralyzed and inadequate and insufficient and so we don't do anything. Let me tell you the most important thing about being a leader. The most important thing about being a leader is that when God lays something on your heart, you step forward. That's what happened. He was in prayer. He saw the need. His heart was broken. And as he'd been in communion with God, God got a hold of him and he said, Elijah, you go. And what did he do? He stepped forward. Now look, I'm not asking you to do everything at Kingsway Baptist Church, but I am asking you to do something. Step forward. Ask God. God, help me to look around and help me to see what the need is. Help me to see where I fit in and help me to step forward. That was what Elijah did. He stepped forward in obedience to God. And then I want you to notice as he prayed here, he mentioned those who went before him that God had spoken to, those that had walked with God. It says, He stepped forward and prayed, O Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel. He spoke about those whose heritage was godly, who had set an example who had showed the pace that needed to be set in walking with God. Abraham, Isaac, Israel. And and we could take time. I won't spend a lot of time here because, man, you could. Precious people that walked with God that you love. And now they're in God's presence directly. They've died and, and they're on the other side now. I think of one guy, Alex Booth. Man, I loved Alex Booth. He He used to be the president of Bible... Uh, Fruitland Bible Institute, which is in my hometown, Harrisonville, North Carolina. And then he became the director of missions in that association there, Carolina Association. And just, man, I just like to go and hang out with Alex and just listen to him. You know, sometimes we talk too much. I'm not as smart as I think I am. I just need to soak it in and listen. And I loved, and I can remember when he got cancer and then in just a few months he was gone. And I wish sometimes I could just, I wish sometimes I could just call Alex and say, what would you do? 
Can you help me? And we all have people like that. And, and I think as Elijah prayed, he said, Lord, God of Abraham, Isaac, Israel, those people that had walked with you, God, you were faithful then and you're still faithful. And, and then he, and then he goes forward as he prays and he, guys, he, he, he says, I want, I want, I want it to be known today that God, you're the one here in Israel. God, you're the one. You're the one that matters, Lord. And, 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 and look at that how he prays. He says, uh, Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known today that you're God in Israel. Not, not these false gods. Not these other pursuits that all the people are chasing after. I want it to be known today in Israel that you're God. And man, I thought about that, guys, and I thought, that's still true. I want it to be known today in Bristol. I want it to be known in the Tri-Cities that the Lord is God. That He's the one who offers hope. That's the key. That, that people would really know Him. It'd be known. And then He says, known, He says, I want to be known as your servant. Man, have you thought about that? He says, I want it to be known that I'm your servant. When people look at you at uh, home, um, uh, where you work, uh, where you play, your leisure, do they see you as God's servant? Does your character, your attitude, your conduct reflect Jesus? Because if your life doesn't reflect Jesus, then they tune out your words. There needs to be a consistency there. And Elijah says, man, I'm overwhelmed. God, I need, to, I need them to know that you're God and I need them to know that I, I am somebody because I'm yours. I'm your servant. And then he goes on and he says that everything I've done, all these things that they're done by you at your command that you've gotten a hold of my heart. You know that I don't just do this because I want to do it. I do it because I walk with you. Man, what, a, what an awesome desire. He says, I, I don't want to be known as a guy that just does what he wants to do. I want to be known as yours. I want the decisions I make to... To be yours, God. And I want people as they look at me to say, you know, that Elijah, he walks with the living God. That Elijah, he, he, he follows God. He's a man of faith. And he's a man of conviction. And we can follow him and we can trust him. And then as he gets down here, I want you to look at this plea as he closes out here. He says in verse 37, Answer me, O God. Answer me, Lord. Answer me so these people will know two things here. First, that you, O Lord, are God. Last night, Cindy and I um, watched a popular show. Uh, it's been on, I guess, for some time. and watched it too many times. The Ghost Whisperer. I don't know if you've ever seen it. It was an interesting show. This, this lady, she can actually see dead people. Ghosts that have not gone to the other side because there's some kind of relational problem that has to be cleared up before they're at peace and able to, to go into eternity. I mean, they're certainly talking about eternity. But there's no mention of, of God. No direct mention of one who rules in the heavens. No direct mention of, of the Lord. And, and as I watched that and I enjoyed it, but I thought, it just doesn't go far enough. Yes, that, that there is life that's everlasting, but where, what's the source of that life? Where does that life come from? How does a person get that eternal life? You know, I mean, that matters. 
It's, it's not just enough to find rest. How do you find that rest? How do you know you have that rest? I thought of John 17, verse 3. You know, when Jesus was praying that priestly prayer, not far, uh, the cross was not far off. And He prayed and He said, Now this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Man, that was His prayer. He said, God, I want people to know you. Passionately know you, and I want them to know me. Because it's only through Christ that they can know life. Listen to this quote from Donald Barnhouse. This is on Barabbas. He said, Barabbas was the only man in the world who could say that Jesus Christ took his physical place. But I can say Jesus Christ took my spiritual place. For it was I who deserved to die. It was I who deserved the wrath of God that should be poured on me. I I deserved eternal punishment, a lake of fire. He was delivered up from my offenses. He was handed over to judgment because of my sins. Christ was my substitute. He was satisfying the debt of divine justice and holiness. That is why I say that Christianity can be expressed in three phrases. I deserved hell. Jesus took my hell. There is nothing left for me but His heaven. Man, I love it. And then second in His prayer, what did Elijah say? He said, Lord, I want them to know that you're God. And second, that you're turning their hearts back again. Man, that that needs to be our heartbeat. Our heartbeat needs to be that others would know that the Lord is God and that He wants to turn their hearts back to Him again. That, That He wants them to know that He loves them and He wants them to passionately fall in love with Him and be on mission for Him and and to serve Him. And I mean, guys, that's what it's about. And that was His heart. That was His longing. That was His desire. You know, repentance is uh, turning around. It says in Acts 3.19, Repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. He says, guys, I want you to turn my direction and find forgiveness and live that new life in my power. And I, I love it as, as Jesus confronted the Pharisees. This is Matthew 3.8 and the Amplified. He said... Um, Bring forth fruit that is consistent with repentance. Let your lives prove your change of heart. He said, enough lip service. Let's let your life speak, guys. And that's what, he, that's what he's calling us to do, guys. He wants our lives to speak and that hearts may continue to turn toward the living God. That's what it's about. And then Matthew 4.17, also in the Amplified, it says, From that time Jesus began to preach, crying out, Repent, that is, change your mind for the better, heartily amend your ways with abhorrence of your past sins, for the kingdom of heaven's at hand. He said, let's do a turnaround. <laughs> let, let it be obvious that you love Jesus. Let it be obvious. That's the heart. That's, that's the prayer. I, I think you could easily say, <laughs> Oh, Lord God of Bristol, Kingsport, Johnson City, let it be known today in Bristol, O Lord, that you are God and that you are turning the hearts of those in Bristol back to you again. That should be our prayer. That that should be our longing. That should be what we're about. That lives would be dramatically changed for Him. Not just lip service, not just a coming to the front, but a changing of the heart. Guys, to be really disciplined followers of Christ. Man, that's the goal. That, that's, that's what He wants. And that's not easy. It's a call to death.
to let him really get a hold of us, to be living sacrifices, and that's where the power lies. You know, someone said, the problem with living sacrifices is it's always trying to crawl off the altar. And that's where we are. And the longing is to stay there and love him. Let me tell you the rest of the story of Bobby Moffitt. I'm closed. That's, I'm closed. Bobby Moffitt, when he went over to Africa, didn't take him long to meet Mary Smith, who he fell in love with. He and Mary got married. For the next 50 years, they served faithfully in Africa. After about 20 years, they were exhausted. He had translated the Old and the New Testament into the language of a a tribe there so that they could read the Bible in their language. And he had faithfully, he and Mary had faithfully shared, but they just needed help. It was just too much work. And so he went back to Scotland after about 20 years. He and Mary, and they, they were speaking in churches and they were making a plea for help. He said, you know, we'd climb up on the mountain and we'd look out and we could see campfires of of villages as far as we could see. And we thought, these are people that have never heard about the Lord and they need to. And and, and we just have a burden for that and we need some help. Will you come? Will Will you come help us? Get the message out. But nobody came forward. Nobody responded. And Bobby and Mary were... Man, they were devastated. They were broken. They thought they had failed. But what they didn't realize was God was working on a little boy's heart. A boy who was growing into a man. His name was David. Years later, David would marry their daughter. And then David Livingston would go back to Africa with a Degree in uh, medicine. He had, a, he had a doctorate in medicine and then he had a degree in theology. And He would go over as an explorer. He would go over as a medical missionary. He would go over as somebody God would greatly use. But Bobby and Mary had no idea what God was doing. But David and Mary, their little girl, and the message would go out as living sacrifices. Look, guys, I can't promise you what God will do through any of us. But I can promise you this. If we're living sacrifices, He will do what He wants. And that's what's needed here. The call is, will you step forward, not just to the altar, but to Him. Let's pray. God, uh, thank You for an opportunity, Lord, to look at Your Word God, to be reminded of the work of Elijah, how you called him. Lord, against odds that looked impossible. But as your word says, with man it is impossible, but with God all things are possible. So what do you want to do in each of us, Lord? What do you want to do at Kingsway? What do you want to do in the people who make up Kingsway? What do you want, Lord? We have this opportunity for a block party, which is one way to connect with the community. What do you want to do through me there, Lord? And my brothers and sisters.
in other places, God, not just there. What do you want, Lord? How are we to step forward? What what, what is your heart, God? Father, I, I just ask that you reveal yourself to each of us as you want, Lord. And that you set us afire, God, to serve and love you, Lord. And Father, that you might do your work because we want you to be known in Bristol, Lord, as God. And we want the hearts of people here to be turned your direction, God. That they might know life that's abundant and that lasts forever. And and so, God, we're not much, but we're yours. And I pray that you would turn our hearts to you. Maybe there's one here for the first time that has never bowed to you and said, Lord, forgive me of my sins, and then been baptized, Lord, to show forth your work. Perfect day for that, for the person to say, God, forgive me, bow the heart, come forward before God's people and say, I'm changed. Get, yeah, get me in those baptismal waters. God, do that today, Lord. And, and then for others of us, Lord, who have heard the message and responded years ago, but we've drifted. And God, I pray that for that case, Lord, Bring us home, God. Help us to step out of the pew and to step forward, God. Lord, I just pray that you might work in this time. We call invitation that we might respond. In your name we pray. Amen.